0: Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc, on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about our church or to support us financially, visit newgrace.cc. So listen, if if you're here this morning and you're just, you're leaning into what God's doing in your life, and you, you're at a, some of you, listen to me, I can, I can see it. I might not even know who you are, but I, I, I've seen you several weeks now or several months now. And I, I can tell that the Holy Spirit's doing a work in your life. And you've continued to come and be a part of what's happening right here on Sundays. And I want you to know where, where this church is going, what God's about to do with new grace in the north and in the south. It's going to just create opportunity. With opportunity comes obstacles, and, and one of the things that if we're not careful and you're not aware, we might have this opportunity, but it quickly becomes an obstacle if nobody steps up and steps in. And so I'm, I'm going to really do my part as a pastor to communicate this as clearly as possible. So if, I want to say this, if you're wondering, man, why, why should I even consider serving with kids? Uh, listen to me I truly believe that there is going to come a day where you and I are going to stand before our great and awesome God in judgment and and here's the good news about the judgment of a believer the case of your sin was already settled at Calvary isn't that wonderful somebody needs to notify their face that's good news that's real good news but what I'm going to give an account of and what you're going to give an account of is what did we do with what God gave us? One of the things that Jesus is going to talk to you and I about is what did we do with this thing called new grace? What did we do week in and week out with this opportunity? And, and, and you know, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is not real forgetful. So he's probably going to remember when, when he grew our church and took us to a, a level of going to two locations. He's going to say, hey, how, how did you impact that? You, tell, please tell me. We can review the footage, but, but I want to hear from your mouth. Did, did you play a part in what I was doing there? Did you get involved? Because there are, there are, some, there are some people up here that, that, that are only here because somebody told them about me on a Sunday morning. Some parent, some adult, some college student, somebody volunteered their time. and t- These people are in heaven because somebody pointed them to me. And here's here's the thing. How many more could we add to that number? You think God could trust our church with more? Can He trust you with more? He's trusting us with more. Can He trust you? to be a part of what he's doing. Listen, I want you to lean in because over the next few weeks, we're going to preach some stuff that is going to stir you to take action, to get involved. I'm, I'm, Listen, I am already believing God for some people to crucify those fears and reluctancies and reservations that come natural. Those things come natural. I don't know anybody here. This is new to me. I've only been coming for a few months. I've only been coming for a few weeks. But, but I, I want God over the next couple of weeks to weld your spirit to what he's doing here. Here and and for you to have your spiritual buy-in with God I don't usually talk like this or talk like that But you better believe I'm, I'm going to be aggressive over the next few months Because I believe in what God's going to do here I believe in what He's going to do in your life And I don't want you to miss out on this awesome opportunity To impact the next generation and our community In a way we've never seen I'm really believing that I am believing that. And let me say this disclaimer. When you start making noise like this for the kingdom, you get the attention of darkness. You ex- if you jerk on the devil's tail, you need to expect him to pay you a visit. Satan never bothers me. I'm worried about you. I've never faced any opposition. Are you doing anything to get their attention? Because the moment you do, y'all know what I'm Some of y'all can testify to this. You start you start leading your kids. You start becoming an influence at work for Christ. You start buckling down and get committed. You drop anchor at a church. and You say, all right, we're going to do this. None of this half-baked junk. None of this half-baked Christianity. None of this half-cooked commitment. We're getting all the way in. When you do that, All them devils, like lionesses, sitting in the tall grass, are like, we're going to have to do something about her. We're going to have to do something about him. His biggest idol in God up to this point has been George Bulldogs, and now he's getting serious about this Jesus thing. This Joker is going to, he is going to, he's going to stop getting in deer stands on Sunday mornings. We're going to have to do something about this. He's getting hook, line, and sinker. This is not good. Because you know if that joker gets in and he leads his daddy to the Lord and he starts telling his cousins and then, can you imagine what his workplace would look like if he got on fire for God? What are we going to do about this? And there's a lot of people in here who have been fighting hell by the acre. And and listen to me. I want to say this in the nicest way possible. But you brought that on yourself. And that's a compliment. That's a compliment. You brought it on yourself. You drew a line in the sand. Are we all right? Are we all right? I'm just I'm just I'm just rolling with it right now. You you came to a point of see, here's where a lot of people mess up. They get saved. And that's enough for them. I'm going to heaven. And that's enough for you. But there's, there's something that happens when you get saved. You cross a line. This is cool stuff. Because when you get saved, you cross a line that you can never go back. So what happens when you get saved. It's like, I'll, I'll never again be that. Now I've tried to be that, I've, I've leaned over that line and tried to reach back into that world that Jesus brought me out of, that nature that was, that was so natural is now so foreign. And anytime I try to even so much as put my toe over that line and be the person that I used to be, there's this grievance that happens in my spirit because now I don't bear witness with what that was. And those people on the other side of that line, they don't understand it. They See, what they think is they think I've become a holy roller. They, they think I've become a Jesus freak. They think I've become a spiritual nut. They think I've joined a cult. They think I've gotten religious. What they don't understand is it ain't got nothing to do with religion. It's got everything to do with redemption. It ain't got nothing to do with religion. It's got to do with rejuvenation. It ain't got nothing to do with religion. It's called a relationship. I see, I done got a hold of something that got a hold of me and it's made my life different and I can't go back. I've tried to go back. I've wanted to go back but every time I try to go back there's something in me that says this ain't you no more. You've done been saved. You're born again. You are in this world but you're no longer of it. When you fight, when you settle that battle and you say, this is who I am. I am saved. There's another line over there. And this line is called surrender. That's surrender. And I know a lot of people that play between the lines. I know a lot of teenagers Play between the lines, a lot of moms and dads. I'm too fat and out of shape to do this. A lot of people play between the lines. Here's what's funny. There was a time. sir there was a time when you were scared of crossing that line. Remember when you remember when you tried to bargain with God because all the stuff it would cost you? Isn't it funny the only way, the way the currency and the economy of this kingdom works is the only way to win is to lose. The only way to gain is to give up. And you wave that white flag in the war of conviction over your soul and you said yes to Jesus. And you said yes, I'll trust you, yes, I'll live for you. And you got saved and you're like, thank God I got that settled. I won't deal with that conviction anymore. You start realizing there's another line called surrender, which is, this line, Jesus won your soul. That line, Jesus wins your life. Because in between here and there is a vast gap of excuses and fears and reluctant realities. And you're like, I've given my heart, my soul to Christ. I mean, I believe He's the only way to heaven. He's the only one way to the true God. And I've trusted that. But when it comes to giving Him all aspects of my life, like like when you start talking about aspects of my life, you're talking about my Sundays. You're talking about my Wednesdays. you You start reaching into my pocket towards my money my time. Now I got to take my gifts and my talents and my toolbox that I bring to the table and empty it out in front of God and say, it's all yours. You want me to get that serious about my Christianity? And I think what I am seeing happen is God is bringing so many people in our church to that line. And he's saying, just like that one became the land of no return, I want this to be a line you cross. This is scary stuff right here because this is where sanctification happens, and 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 all that comfortable living just goes out the window. All that whole known to stuff that aligns with your will, like when you get past this line. Who who you think you are and who you think you want to be is completely banking on what God says to you. Like where you work, what you do with the rest of your life, who you marry, where you raise your kids, the church you attend, like everything now takes on a whole new meaning because you have surrendered your will to God. And let me tell you something, Satan does not want you to cross this line and get saved. And he will put all kind of stuff in your head as to why, listen to me, there's people in this room today who are not saved. Judas Iscariot spent three and a half years with Jesus Christ, kissed him on the cheek. He kissed the door of heaven and he went to hell. Satan's going to do everything he can to get you to live and die on this side of the line. And if you will trust him and say yes to Jesus and give him your life, you will find that this is a line the devil does not want you to cross. He'll do everything he can to keep you in his clutches. He loses you right here. He loses you right here. But I'm going to tell you something. You live in America Moreover, you live in the Northeast Georgia region. We are the rust on the buckle of the Bible belt. And everybody around here has got their own little dose of church and good old Southern religion, and it is killing us. And so here's what I have discovered. Satan is not worried about these people because most of them live like this. Well, now I'm saved, I'm good. And his objective is to stand right here at the line of surrender and say, as long as I can keep you out of this territory, if I can keep you on that side, everybody you go to school with will never know the legitimacy of your Christianity. If I can keep you over there, your church will financially struggle and you'll sit there on your money and never give. Your church will have vacancies and openings and and opportunity, and you I will get you to miss out. I will get you to busy yourself with the affairs of this world so that you do not contribute to what God's trying to do over here with people who are really in. And I will keep you right there, and I will have you walking around this wilderness in the land of salvation without surrender. Here's what's funny. A lot of us have seen that. We've we viewed it. We've maybe even visited it, but we've never actually lived there. And what God is trying to do in so many lives today is to get you over the line into the land of surrender. You're like that. You're like that little boy in John six. Jesus is feeding the multitude. And there's 5,000 men besides women and children. And they're all sitting on the hillside. And Jesus is preaching a sermon to twelve to 15,000 total people. And everybody is a captive audience. Nobody wants to leave. Jesus is bringing the word. How cool would it have been to hear Jesus preach Jesus? Can you imagine? It ain't like he's got to have a copy of Isaiah. It ain't like he needs the Pentateuch in his hand on a scroll. He wrote it. To hear Jesus preach, Jesus. To hear Jesus talk about himself in creation, in guiding the children of Israel. To hear Jesus preach and this audience sitting there hanging on every word, this, this presumed and supposed Messiah. And then the Bible teaches and tells us that at the end of the sermon, at the end of the service, Jesus tells everybody to sit down. And he says, it's time to eat. And the disciples, the disciples are a lot like church people. they they looking around and they said, how, how are we going to feed all these people? Jude, uh, Judy. Judy, how much money we got in that bag? Y'all know Judas' stingy tail. He pulls out a laptop, hit the QuickBooks report. We ain't got enough to feed all these. I mean, 15,000 people. We ain't got enough to feed these folks. The disciples are like, you got to send them home. He says, no, we're going to take care of them. The Father brought this to us and trusted us with this opportunity and responsibility. We're going to feed these people. We're going to minister right here. I've been preaching my guts out. Now it's time for y'all to help me feed them. 200 penny worth ain't enough to buy everybody food. That's what they said. And then Philip. You don't hear a lot about Philip, but I like Philip because Philip is an extractor. While, while all the disciples were sitting there arguing with Judas whether or not they should go down to the bank and take out a loan to feed everybody, oh Philip walking through the crowd, to see who brought food. And the Bible says, this is in John six, the Bible says, you won't find this in Matthew 14. Matthew 14's account, it's not there. John six, it's there. Because John saw it from a point of view that Matthew did not see it from. And, and here's what it says. It says, there was a lad. Everybody said lad. More than likely he was elementary to middle, maybe even high school age. He was a boy. There is a lad here that's got a lunchable, five loaves and two fish. And then, and I, here, look, Philip, here, here comes the church member out in Philip. The fact that he even found it, acknowledged it, and said something about it demonstrates a level of faith. I mean, we got a sack lunch. I'm just saying that because i seen that thing you did with the water and the wine. I'm just saying I mean, there are people that see that could not see. There's people that hear that could not hear. I've seen people walk that were laid up for 30 years. Well, I'm just, I'm just doing some math. Not Judas math. I'm doing some math. There's a boy here that's got a sack lunch. And then, and then the, the natural comes out and he says, but what are they among so many? Like, and, I'm, and, and, and Philip, you know. Philip, he's he, he he like a deacon. He, he don't even care that the boy can hear him. He got a sack lunch, but, but what's that going to do? And that boy's like, what? But here's an alternative view. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Philip that found the boy. Maybe it was the boy that went up and said, hey, I've, I've heard about your rabbi. I heard about what your teacher can do. And I know there's a whole lot of people on this hill, but I got, mama made me a lunch this morning and it's supposed to be mine. It, it, she made it for me. but you Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. But, but I was wanting to see what he would do with it if I turned it over. In my hands... It ain't nothing but a sack lunch. But I wonder, oh, I just wonder what would happen if I put it in his hands. And the Bible Bible says, as Philip brought this boy and his lunch to Jesus, the Bible says in John 6, Jesus took the loaves. Mm, That'll make a Lutheran want to shout right there. Jesus took. Everybody say took. Everybody say took. One more time, say took. He took what the boy offered. And it says he took it. God, this helped me right here. This helped me a long time ago. Jesus took that lunch, and it said, and he gave thanks. <laughs> we, we just rolling with it right now. We ain't got no sermon. We ain't got no outline. We just making a casserole, praise God. He, he took it. Let's see. So the, the lunch, here we go. The lunch was surrendered. Then the lunch was selected. Amen. Jesus took the lunch and he gave thanks. I'm going to tell you something. It ain't when you surrender what you have in your hand to God, it ain't about how it makes you feel. It ain't about how it makes other people feel. It ain't about how it makes your mama feel or your grandmama feel or your daddy feel. The way you give your lunch makes God feel an appreciation for what you were willing to relinquish and release. Jesus gave thanks. You know, it's always always confounding me that Jesus in the gospels chose to need things? How does, the, how does the God of all creation need anything? You remember before the Passover Jesus sent two disciples over in Mark 11 into the city next door, and he said, look, go into this village. You'll see a road where two roads meet. There's a house. There's a post in the front of that house. Tied to that post is a donkey. Now, I want you to go in there, and I want you to untie the donkey, and I want you to bring it to me. Now, while you're in the process of untying the donkey to bring it to me, the owner of the donkey is going to come out of the house, and he's going to say to you, what do you think you're doing? At that point, when he says that, I want you to look at him and tell him, the Lord needs this donkey. When he hears that, he's going to let you go. That story is the equivalent of me walking into the parking lot over at Big Daddy's, jumping in somebody's convertible today, hot wiring it. And as I'm about to pull off, the owner comes running out and says, what do you think you're doing? And I look at him and I throw down my shades and I say, the Lord needs this car. Are you with me? It's funny that Jesus chose to include something that we all know he didn't really need it. But don't you like how cool God set this thing up to include me and you in the act of surrender so that he could play a role in selecting what you and I put on the table? If you're in this room and you're thinking that when you put your stuff on the table for God, he's going to say, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I need somebody that makes more money. I need somebody with a higher education. I need somebody that's more qualified. I need somebody with more experience. I need somebody with a better gift. I need somebody with a better personality. I need somebody that's a little bit taller or a little bit skinnier. I need somebody that's a little bit more eloquent or a little bit more satisfactory. I need some. Let me tell you something. God does not look on the external, but my Bible teaches until Tells me like when he anointed and appointed David to be king. God looks on the heart. I want to stop and give God a praise over the fact that he does not see the way that man sees. He does not see the way that religious folks see. He does not see the way that I see or you see. Is there anybody in this house that it can rejoice with me that God looks at what other folk never see? Bless his holy name. He took that boy's lunch, surrender, selection, and then we have service. Because the Bible says that Jesus blessed it. Watch this. Don't miss this. Blessed it. And then he broke it. Everybody wants blessing. Nobody wants breaking. Everybody wants baked blessings with butter on top. Some of them sunbeam blessings. It's funny how Jesus pairs. Almost like they are to parallel each other. Destined to happen. Blessing and breaking. And the only way he can service the need... The only way he serves the bread is blessed and broken. If you're in this room and you want God to bless you, it usually comes with brokenness. I love ambitious young preachers, but I want to backhand them. Can I get a witness right there, Pastor Jeff? Young, 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 pre- young, some young preachers make you keep that pimp hand heavy. <laughs> Pow! That's your fault, Richard Vickery. I learned that from you. Now hear me out. I'm being serious. Listen to me. I'm not, I'm not serious about the backhand. But I've had, I've had people come to me, young, and they're like, How? and they say, they say this, and they say it, listen, they have, a, they have a mixture going on. They have ambition, but they have no discretion. And I remember being there. I remember looking at Dr. Larry Brown, walking in the anointing and the blessing of God, but on the surface you see blessing, but you don't see broken. And I remember saying stupid stuff. To the Holy Ghost. Watching Dr. Brown preach. I want that. I want what he has. Lord, praying stuff like this. Lord, do whatever you got to do to get me there. Thinking in terms of blessing. Not breaking. And I've had young, young preachers or young pastors say, how do I get to where you're at? I'm like, you want me to, you, you want me to give you the secret on how to get here? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Run, (laughs) run away, and never return. (laughs) they are like, what? I think this is what God wants for me. I'm like, don't do it. I feel like God's calling me, run, ignore it. I walk away like uh. and they come back later and they're like I'm trying to get away from it but it won't get away from me and I'm like you know why I tell you to run you know why I tell you to get away from it because if you can get away from it it was never God to begin with When it's God, you can't shake it. You can't leave it. You will never unsee it, unhear it, unknow it. And you know what? There's people in this room, you still got your running shoes on. Some of you are trying to run from that first line. You are not yet saved. And you know that is a step in faith you have to take. I'm not talking about being a better person. I ain't talking about joining this church. It ain't got nothing to do with that. I'm talking about you making a heartfelt decision for your soul that you will accept and say yes to the blood of Jesus over your life, that you believe he died for you, that he rose again for you, and the only way you're going to go to heaven, have your sins forgiven, and enter a relationship with God is not me dunking you in a tub. It is not you saying some kind of prayer. It is you saying yes to the love of God over your life and giving him your soul and then there are saved people in this room who've seen this line they've been called from the other side of this line they've been beckoned from the other side of this line and they're over here seeing how close they can get feeling good about themselves without ever actually crossing it you can sing on this stage and be on this side of this line American Christianity has perfected performance. We can fool anybody, but you can't fool God. God knows the full inventory of your heart and hand, sir. And you're like, I know there's blessing over there, but the reason a lot of us don't cross that line and say yes is because it's not that we don't want the blessing it's we don't want the broken. Can I say something? Can, can this can this crack pot? I gotta be careful with that. Can this crack pot testify? It's worth it. It's it's worth it. it it's it's hard. It's tough. And man, there's days where the devil just up, he just up right here just, and 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 you have to you have to remind remind yourself. I don't, I done crossed over. I can't go back. Come on, JJ, let's let's close. I don't care what you play. It'll work. I don't care if it's Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson or Sarah McLaughlin. I don't just just something, man. Do something. Right now God'll God, right now God going to jump on anything. I feel it. Holy Go, Holy Ghost is helping people so much right now. We could we could get a Main Street News and preach from it and God will bless somebody. If you're in this room, listen to me. If you're in this room, and you ain't ever crossed that line. The day's a day where you need to come to that line and say, I, I'm going to be that boy and I ain't going to eat my lunch. I'm not going to because this, this might have been made for me, but it wasn't made, wasn't made for me. I want these five loaves and two fishes. Well, let me tell you something. If you keep it, that's all it'll ever be. But if you want to see what God can do, Read the rest of John 6. That boy put that thing in Jesus' hand and he did more with that boy's lunch than that boy ever would have done in his possession. I surrender. Jesus is not going to refuse it. He'll gladly receive what you have to offer. And we tell you this, here's the best part. He won't just receive it, he'll use it. He will use it. We say all the time, we, we, we conversations that we have around a table at staff we're like we said it this week we we're talking about everything god's doing and and we just have those epiphany moments where we're like why would god use us why like what what is he thinking why would god do all this with somebody like me just just five loaves two fish little paper bag here that's all I got and Jesus is thankful he blesses it he breaks what he blesses so that it can be distributed so that it can be shared blessed bread has to be broken has God blessed your life? hang on honey hang on honey because it may take some breaking for him to bless somebody else Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted each week on Tuesday.